A negative situation often makes you think in a negative way, right? This is the case for many people and I can definitely relate. I used to think about positive situations in a negative way because I was always looking for the plot twist. When were things going to mess up? This way of thinking was destroying me emotionally, which is why I made it a goal to always look at the positive side of even the most horrific scenarios. It wasn't easy and it's definitely still not easy, but this has helped me live a much healthier and productive life. Welcome everybody to the 17th episode of Happy to Fail. I'm very happy to be here in a different format because usually I record the episodes on a Saturday and publish them on a Monday, but I decided to break out of my comfort zone and record this on a Friday morning. So I got the day off of work, have myself a nice set of pancakes, nice strong cup of coffee, and now here I am with you talking about life, talking about the situations that happen because there's so much that can be good and bad in life, but how you see things, how you visualize them, your perspective towards these situations is definitely gonna be the indication of if you have the frowny face, if you focus on the negative outcomes, or if you try to look at the positive side of even the most horrific scenario, which leads to the saying of, do you see the glass half empty or half full? That's entirely up to all of us. So we're gonna be talking about that because my name is Juan Velas Court. I am from Puerto Rico as a person that lives with depression, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, I hope that through this podcast, we're able to get to know each other. We can identify these coping mechanisms that really do make us live a happy, healthy, and productive life. But remember that this podcast is not meant to replace any kind of professional emotional support service. So if you would like to seek some help, if you want to talk to somebody, don't be afraid. Contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. And if you're from Puerto Rico, you can contact AMSCA's 24-7 crisis line at 1-800-981-0023. Both of these people, they're free. They cost you nothing and they could change your life. So when talking about glass half empty or half full, I wanted to make sure I brought concrete scenarios that happened to me. This is about us, right? So hopefully by me sharing these, you can look at your situations and think about, well, this happened and that was pretty bad, but what were some of the good things that came as a result of that situation? So experience number one. Oh boy, here we go. I used to sell knives. I used to sell kitchen utensils and I did that because a friend of mine got a job there we were struggling for work. I was unemployed. I was broke. And this was around college time. So a couple of years ago, he told me, hey, it's a good opportunity to get a job, make a couple of dollars. And this is not a pyramid scheme. Definitely not. Nope. Nope. Not at all. Guess what? It, it truly was a pyramid scheme. But I gave it a shot because up until this point, I had only had one experience for me being interviewed for a job. So I saw it as I got nothing to lose. And apparently that that attitude actually landed me the job because I wasn't really nervous about the interview because I didn't really want the job. It was more of a, hey, I went there, I did the interview. I mean, thanks for the referral, but I'm not really interested. Once I got the job and once I saw what it was all about, I realized, oh no, what am I doing here? It was incredibly anxiety-inducing. They were constantly manipulating people to talk about things in a certain way, to really focus on on weak-minded individuals. And I'm saying this because they were saying it, right? But really taking advantage of people 
that live by themselves. You sit down with them for a little bit. You talk about the fact that this is the thing you absolutely need and you just didn't know it, my friend. So here we go. What are you going to buy? And that became the job, but it didn't stop there. They made sure to stalk you almost 24-7. So I began crying at home. I stopped sleeping. But then I realized, wait a minute, okay, so the glass half empty of this uh, story is I don't like the job, I don't like any of this, they're taking advantage of me, we're manipulating people to buy things they perhaps don't need, and there's a ton of things, right? I'm talking about knives and kitchen utensils, but think about how many things rely on people that are compulsive buyers, right? People that are hoarders, and you see that and you go, oh, that's my market, that's who I want to appeal to. So that was the bad scenario. But then I started thinking, what is the good learning experience? Or once this is all said and done, because I don't see this as my long-term career, thankfully, that was many years ago, what am I going to take away from all this? I began seeing the anxiety that I was getting as a supervisor was literally to my right, nonstop looking at me, looking at the conversations. At one part, I told my wife, hey, there's a good chance I'm going to call you throughout the day. This was before I got to the job. Just pick up and don't listen. So I literally spoke to myself for an entire hour going, hey, good morning. How are you? My name is Juan Velas, and I got these knives you're going to need. These are, these are going to change your life. And I was talking to nobody. I learned that this was an opportunity to embrace my anxiety. This was a chance to learn how to manage it. So for every bad situation that was happening there, I began telling myself, okay, once you, leave, once you go home, you're going to think about this. You're going to do these uh, coping mechanisms to make you feel a little bit better. So even though I was living in that terrible situation, right then and there, I had positive outcomes that I knew were eventually going to be happening. Another thing that was helpful about this is that I got to learn about a job. I got to learn about many different things because I, I had to sell these knives. And guess what? I was actually pretty good at this because I'd like to think I'm a fairly persuasive person. Plus, you talk about the topic of kitchen, kitchen utensils. These are things I actually like. The things that I was selling were actually damn good. I began using these on a daily basis. So selling a product that was actually good was not all that difficult for me. But having to memorize a script and seeing me do good, and even though it was a shady environment, I was quickly congratulated in front of the group, which did not see me in a very good light because of that, because I realized, like, while I'm going to be here, I'm going to give it my very best. I don't want to leave here and say I did the bare minimum because what if I have another job and I don't like that job either? Am I also going to quit? Am I also only give the bare minimum? No, I want to leave here and say I made use of every single day of every single situation that happened. But that being said, I'm totally happy at the fact that that is a, a long gone chapter of my life that I hope I never had to go back to. Experience number two, I was working for a long time in two external islands that are not physically part of the main island of Puerto Rico. So these are Vieques and Culebra. One of them has a population of around 2,000 people, the other one around 10,000. So you have to take a ferry once you're done working to go back home. So for me, it was about an hour, hour and a half ferry trip. And then I would drive about an hour, hour and a half back home. So it was about three hours of traveling which was very challenging. Now, this day went all sorts of wrong. It was around 8 p.m. that I arrived at the location in the main island, right? The ferry arrived. 
grab my car, go out to leave. I'm going by a hospital area that has about a maximum speed limit of uh, 25 miles per hour, I believe. And then I see a truck as I'm about to turn to the left. There's a truck on the opposite side. I'm about to make a, not a U-turn, but about to make a solo turn to the left. And hopefully I'm explaining this right. Truck is on the opposite side of the street, currently has a red light. So I'm thinking, okay, this is time for me to go. But what happened was that the truck was covering this car that was going in at about 50 to 60 hours in a 25 mile per hour zone. As I'm turning to the left, I see the car coming and I know he's going to hit me. I know for a fact there's no scenario where I, I can dodge the car. And remember, this is happening in like two seconds, but it felt like time truly did slow down. So what I did is, uh, and I saw these in, in YouTube videos and movies, if somebody is about to crash into you, you try to turn the wheel towards the, the crash, not to the opposite side because then the car can flip. So I did that, and thankfully my car just spun around once or twice, but I was good. The car didn't flip. Both people were fine, but it was very tricky because first I had to manage my anxiety. So the glass half empty. It was around $7,000 in repair. Fortunately, I had just bought my car a year before. My insurance was able to cover pretty much all of it, so that, that was a good thing, right? Although I, I almost thought for a second, wait a minute. What if the damages are so bad, I got to get myself a new car, but that didn't happen. The other person was fine. That was my other concern. And the most unique thing about all this, a person that lives with generalized anxiety and all these things I've talked about in the past, the first thing that I did was just calm down because I didn't know if the other person was good at the time, right? I had just heard this, this screeching sound of the car crash, and I told myself I, I got to call my wife and let her know this happened. And for some reason, I was super calm to the point where I became upset at just how calm I was. I called my wife and I told her, hey, I'm okay. Somebody crashed into my car. I haven't checked the other person, but physically I'm okay, but my car can't move because she hit me directly at the back tire, uh, back tire on the right side of my car. So I knew we had to get our car towed and everything. My wife went from an hour and a half trip. She got there in about 30 minutes. I don't know how a police officer didn't stop her or something. It, it was a magic, right? But I was able to interact with this person and figure out, okay, so you hit my car. But I know if I yell at that person, if I insult that person, I'm not going to get anything done, right? So it was about embracing the situation. So the positive side of this was, how can I persuade this person so it's not that it's your fault, it's not that it's my fault? What do we need to do? Because even though you hit me, your car also took damage. And I think that at the end of the day, we just want to get this over with. And everything went smooth like butter. The only thing that took a while was the police report to come out and my car took about a month to repair. And here's the thing. About a month later, I get my car handed to me, right? This is not even part of the agenda. And this is a true story, people. I get my car on a Friday. I take pictures. I'm so proud because I'm like, look at my car, man. I got it back. It, it looks like brand new. And then on Monday, I go to my job, and I'm proudly showcasing the pictures of my car, just looking at the fact that it looks brand new. I go to the bathroom in, in another location, different buildings. When I go back to go to my desk, everybody's looking at me, but not in this, not in this happy way. It's these, oh, Juan, there's something we got to tell you, and we hope you're ready. I won't say the words that I said at that moment, even though they were in Spanish, but no. No, 
and a coworker said yes one. Somebody crashed your car in the parking lot. I wasn't even in the car. And to top it off, the security guard who I had a good uh, communication with, he told me the person tried to pin it on you and said that the car was already broken. That she broke one of my lights and all that. But the, the security officer, fortunately, had seen it happen live. And I was livid, people. I was pissed off. There's no pretty way of looking at this because I just got my car like two to three days ago. What is wrong with people, right? The person didn't want to call the police after 45 minutes of me calling the police, even though she crashed my car. The police officer tells me, hey, can you move your car? Yeah. Okay, then come to the police station. The person didn't know where the police station was. So I had to have her follow my car. I had to call my wife and said, hey, so yeah, my, my car, you know, the one they gave me last Friday, there's a good chance it was crashed again. That Friday, I remember, I told the, the, the car shop, the repair shop, I hope to never have to see you again. And there I was calling that same place a couple of days later. And after the person was laughing and laughing, all of a sudden, the person realized, oh, he's actually, he's actually real about this. They actually did break this. So glass half empty, I can look at that and go, I have so much bad luck. I have all these situations that are happening. On the flip side, I just began laughing. Because sometimes, and I, and I bet you can relate, you go through so many situations that are so bad, you can't help but laugh at that. And the last story, and technically now the fourth experience, we got to talk about Hurricane Maria. Because I think that anybody that lived through Hurricane Maria, this is where you make or break. This is where you figure out what are your talents, how creative can you get in a situation like this. We were without power for multiple months. Fortunately, we got it back way sooner than most people. So I'm not going to sit here and drown on that situation. But those first two to three weeks, emotionally speaking, forget about the physical damage, forget about the fact that we have no power or any of that. Emotionally, we were destroyed because it's not just about not having any power. It's that the way that you prepare food uh, is different. Your fridge looks different because in, in our case, we didn't have a generator. So we relied on things that were not necessarily all that healthy. I'm somebody that loves to iron out my shirts for work in situations like that. And even though everybody was going through a similar experience, I didn't like that. I wasn't sleeping well. My wife and I were super sweaty every single night. You hurt other people's generators. So the glass half empty of this is almost everything, really, if you think about it. It's just a terrible situation. Crime was all over the place. People were hopping rooftops around where we lived. But what was good about this? For us, it really was about, here's what's happening. We know it's not going to change within a couple of weeks or maybe even a couple of months. So what are you going to do about it? My wife and I actually slept in our balcony for a couple of days. I brought over a hammock. My wife had a small twin-size mattress, and that's what we did. Whenever I went to my work, I did have a laptop that you could play DVDs with, and the battery was pretty good, and my job did have a generator. So I would go to my work, and as I was, uh, as I was working, I would charge the laptop so my wife and I could watch movies. And all of a sudden, we're watching movies at night on our balcony with a bed in the balcony. We're laying there on the bed, and every now and then we look at each other like, what is going on here? Do we ever think there will be a scenario 
where this would be necessary. And we turned a bad situation into a positive situation because even though I don't think I can ever watch any of those movies or TV shows ever again, because I think I, I just go right back to Hurricane Maria, these were a lot of DVDs that I hadn't watched for years because we use Netflix, Hulu, we watch Blu-rays, but all of a sudden, we had a chance to uh, dust off those old DVDs. And even to this day, I still have a couple of DVDs at home because I'm like, you never know when you're going to need them. It's really easy to focus on the bad things because it's kind of what we're used to. Think about when you were in kindergarten, first grade. The good things that you did, maybe they gave you a star, a little sticker. But if you did something bad, you would get time out. You would be put in the corner. You would be humiliated. At least that's what happened to me growing up. So we become accustomed to we don't talk about the good things. We only talk about the bad ones. So in order to be able to focus on the positive views on tough situations, this requires a change of habit and a change of thinking because that initial reaction, more often than not, is going to be the negative outcome. How can this happen? I messed up. My life is going on in shambles. But once you figure out a way that there is a positive way of thinking, you almost get ready. You almost are anticipating the negative situations, but not so you can weep and moan and cry about those, but you can look at them and go, I'm ready for you. Bring it on because this is going to be an incredible learning experience and it is easier said than done. So I don't think that anybody should go all in on this immediately. This took me many years. I want to say specifically, I always go back to 2009. So it's taken me about 10 years to really be able to fully embrace this different train of thought. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend that always happens. I had many horrific things happen uh, this week or last week by the time you're listening to the podcast. And some of these things, as much as I wanted to focus on the positive situations, I wasn't able to because I'm a human being and I'm allowed to feel bad. I'm allowed to feel like hell if back-to-back -back th things are happening, people are talking about you without talking with you. So I challenge you, next time you have a bad situation happen to you, stop and think, what's a good thing that I can take away from this? And it's not even about learning from the negative experiences because that usually happens afterwards, right? You think about the past and you contemplate what you learned. I'm talking about when you're living in that situation right then and there. You're observing things and you can be fascinated by the situation and this helps you personally, this helps you professionally, and you can help other people learn this coping mechanism that is really healing because instead of ignoring the situation, you're embracing it, you're managing it, you're overpowering the situation because you're a strong human being and you damn sure deserve to take control of your life. So hopefully this was a fun episode. I like sharing these anecdotes. Uh, I'm always going to try to bring out at least two to three concrete examples because if I don't have a personal experience about a certain topic, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to be a hypocrite and talk about something that I myself don't know what it's like. So hopefully you enjoy that. And if you did, hey, consider going to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Facebook, leave a five-star review, tell people, hey, if you want to start listening to Happy to Fail, this is the episode I recommend you check out and and i love doing all this remember that we are going to be having ourselves a season finale episode 20 during recovery month that starts next week so in next episode i will be talking about that just a little bit more 
So up until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for taking control of your life, taking care of yourself. And remember, you, you, my friend, you matter. Talk to you next Monday.